We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society. In today's conversation, Brooklyn and I will be talking about the just-concluded CPAC conference and what we think it means to the Republican Party going forward. So let's listen in. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the statements that uh, the former president, Donald Trump, made at CPAC and at a rally and some of the things that were a little bit disturbing to you. So uh, what's going on? Yeah, Mark, I've certainly been uh, been disturbed by Trump before, although I try not to listen to him because I find, honestly, his the sound of his voice and the way he speaks his sentences to be unpleasant uh, to listen to. One one of the points that, that uh, he made at a rally was that he would be able to stop the Ukraine war in less than a day, and it would be easy, easy, and he would do it even before he got to the Oval Office. I thought about that statement, and of course the crowd is cheering in the background, and I'm thinking, how would that possibly be done and the only way that I can think of would be simply to end all United States support for Ukraine, withdraw United States participation. And while that doesn't end the Ukraine war, certainly it ends our the United States involvement in it. That was the uh, the first statement that Trump made. The second one was that uh, I believe it was at the CPAC. He stated uh, that he would be the your and I guess he was speaking to his audience there uh, in front of him, as well as anyone listening in uh, in the recording. Uh, to the recording, he would be uh, not only their voice, but uh, as he had been during his first presidency, or so he claimed, but he would be, I believe he said, their warrior and their retribution. So I guess my question is, do you think he actually knows what the word retribution means? I'm not sure that he does. I perhaps someone explained it to him, or at least the concept of retribution. I'm sure he knows what revenge is. But what uh, what disturbed me, of course, was that the uh, upon whom retribution is to be had uh, would be he would be the sole determiner of of those individuals who deserve retribution. The other troubling moment was people saying, oh, say, can you see? Apparently those were individuals that sounded like an all-male group of singers. I believe what if, if the information that I have is accurate, those were people who were involved with the uh, January 6th insurrection. So whether these men were have been found guilty i'm not sure where these individuals came from however i just i I found the whole performance to be highly and deeply concerning and uh given that if if trump should be the nominee for the republican party and if he should somehow if the outcome of the election is that he winds up in the White House again, I, I think that the United States and and uh, anyone affected by uh, the United States, which would mean everybody on the planet, uh, that we will be in um, in a dire situation, even even worse than we are now. Oh, yeah. And, and that would I would agree with that. And our last podcast of last season was about the midterms. 
And one of the things we kind of speculated on was the presidential run in 2024. And of course, my feeling is, is that although he may win the nomination, that is always possible. Uh, just the way the fragmentation of the Republican Party is, he, I just can't see him winning a general election. He's, he's never won a general election. And his popularity is down. Uh, my hope is is that the Republicans will put up some much better candidates. Uh, unfortunately, the other day, Larry Hogan said that he will not run, which is a shame, the former governor of Maryland, uh, because I think he's a good candidate. Uh, the one thing I did notice is when Trump came out, he didn't hump the flag like he normally does. The The second thing that I noticed was that the audience at CPAC was very small compared to before Don Trump Jr.'s girlfriend was on there. And if there was 20 people there, I think that was a lot. And that's very surprising. You know, um, that must have been a terrible embarrassment. At the same time, I noted that uh, Vicky ha or, uh, Nikki Haley, the former uh, governor of South Carolina, former UN ambassador, she spoke and got kind of a chilly reception. Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, who will probably run as well, uh, he didn't get the, the greatest reception either. So CPAC is not what it used to be. Those people that you used to always see that there at CPAC weren't there. There were a lot of them that basically, you know, the normal speakers that you would get decided to basically not show up. I mean, of course, you had the Bannons and you, you had that other cast of characters that they get. But I think when you look at CPAC, it isn't what it was. This is now MAGAPAC. You know, this is where you're going to get Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is where you're going to get Lauren Boebert. This is where you're going to get Matt Gates. This is where you're going to get Jim Jordan. This is where you're going to get Gomert from, from Texas. This is where you're going to get those guys. But the one that wasn't there was DeSantis. Very surprising. So I think that been a lot of talk of Republicans saying we have to move on from, from Trump. And I think this was one show of how to do that. And those that uh, are still in the cult were the ones that were there. So the CPAC is not uh, is not the force that it used to be. So I think I think you're going to see CPAC is going to have to either make a change to move on from being the platform for the cult uh, to being something a little bit more mainstream to what a majority of the Republicans or they're not going to get them to show up. You need to have these these really influential Republicans, those that are have made that decision to move on. Uh, that that's. Maybe CPAC will get it, maybe not. If they don't, I would say probably within two to four years, you're going to see something replace CPAC. Yeah, I had noticed that also. I mean, I didn't watch the CPAC and I didn't see the size of the audience. I happened to watch clips only on uh, YouTube and uh, I really only listened. One question that I do have, and, and I was sorry that Larry Hogan dropped out. One question that I do have for you is then where have the perhaps could use the word legitimate Republicans or the genuine Republicans or the old style Republicans? I'm not sure the non MAGA Republicans. I'm I'm not even sure what what to what what the appropriate word would be. Where do they go? Uh, do they go anywhere to meet now and to have 
normal discussions and or does uh, do we the the American public and and everybody else who is interested wait for the debates Republican debates well where do they go they go where all politicians go you know the smoky back you know back rooms I mean that's that's where they all kind of go I think this is a time and I think I think CPAC was was a defining moment this year just by the way it was different than it has been in different years. The Republican committees, I think they're all right now sitting in behind closed doors saying, all right, what do we do now? It's time that they strategize. They've lost CPAC, it seems, to, to the MAGAs. I think that they have to come to the conclusion that they need a they need a restart. That's going to cost them in the short term. But if they don't have a restart, it'll cost them in the long term. Those mainstream Republicans, the ones that are more toward the center, conservatives, absolute conservatives. And there's nothing wrong with being a conservative. People have to get through their head. MAGA is not conservatism. MAGA is fascism. Now it's time for sanity to, to come back. And for that to happen, you got to pay the piper. You were in bed with the MAGA. That got you where you think you wanted to get to. It's time, the bill has come due. Right. And with McCarthy as Speaker of the House now, how does that figure into 2024? The last person on the face of the earth I'd want to be right now is Kevin McCarthy. How does it figure into 2024? Yeah, given the CPAC, I guess you could call that a debacle. And given the real situation, I mean, if Donald Trump becomes their nominee... Everyone will have to back him. Is that correct? Or can they say, no, I don't support him. I I will not accept him as the nominee. Then he does not become the nominee, correct? Then they have to find somebody else? Well, uh, <laughs> now you're talking about, you know, the nomination process, which is unduly complicated for, for whatever reasons they are. Uh, I, I saw uh, Mike Pence was on, he was being interviewed and they said, well, you know, if Donald Trump is the nominee, will you back him? And his consistent answer was, I'm sure we have better candidates. Now that is not a no, but it sure as heck isn't a yes. So now I have a question in 2016, for example, when Trump threatened that if he didn't get the nomination, he'd form a third party. At that point, I would have been apt to say, okay, go do it, knowing that I would lose 2016, uh, rather than be cowed to threats, because once a a threat had been allowed to stand, there was going to be more. There, I mean, there there would be more because that approach had worked. If Trump does the same thing this time, I'll form a third party if you don't nominate me. What would your response be if you were the person who made that type of, who had to make the decision? And what do you think the the Republican Party's response will be this time around? Most politicians, let's, let's remember how the political system works. Senators are much different than congressmen. Congressmen run every two years. So you get elected in 2022, you start running again for 2024. Everything you do is running for 2024. So you think short term. And that's one of the problems that elected officials have. They only think in the short term. Me personally, I'd say knock yourself out. If I'm a politician, my response response is completely different because I don't think long term. 
senators think a little bit more long term than than congressmen. Let's face it, the senator's in for six years. If I do something in my second year of office of my six-year term, the, the, the public has a very short memory. If I could show successes in that four years, I have more time to, to correct, to right the ship, as opposed to a, to a congressman or a congresswoman who you only have two years. A misstep as a congressman, a big misstep, it's almost impossible to recover from it. It's short-term mentality versus long-term mentality. And politicians have short term, especially congressmen. Do you think then that the the uh, founders uh, uh, made a mistake when they made uh, the congressional term for two years only? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a mistake because let's face it: if you get somebody in there like a George Santos, you only have to put him up with him for two years, and then you can you can boot him. I think the mistake is is not having term limits. If we had term limits, and I understand why some people think that's a bad idea because of the way the committee structures are. But I think that that would probably give us, if there was a mistake they made, that's that's probably what they should have put in, was term limits. Yeah, thank you. And it seems that uh, while 2024 is not, well, it's only the beginning of 2023, 2024 is, is coming rapidly, when, uh, at least when I think about the, uh, the election. And it makes me, it makes me uh, somewhat not somewhat, I shouldn't say. It makes me actually very anxious to uh, to think about. What are your thoughts on the uh, the possible uh, field of presidential candidates from both parties? Well, I think if, if Biden runs, there it's set. I, I don't think you're going to get anybody's going to run against him. The Republicans, uh, Nikki Haley's in. I think Pompeo's going to get in. Uh, DeSantis will probably get in at some point in time. Unfortunately, Hogan's out. We haven't heard a peep out of Liz Cheney yet. She's conspicuous in her absence, so we'll see how that works. If I'm if I'm the Trump campaign, I want as many in there as possible so I can knock them off like I did the last time in my unconventional way. But if you get like one or two or three that go against him, now he's got to focus on them. And it'll be interesting to see in the coming months uh, who who declares their candidacy. You know, going forward, there's right now it's Nikki Haley and some somebody else that I've never heard of that is, you know, a philanthropist or whatever. I mean, probably not a serious candidate at all, but well, it'll be interesting to see in the coming months because the time is getting short. Yeah, it is. It is. And as the uh, as the war in Ukraine progresses and as the next election, uh, who becomes president in the of the United States matters tremendously as far as the future goes uh i think it matters greatly it um i find that i'm extremely concerned for the outcome and as we all should be yep and i could guarantee that probably our allies in nato are equally as concerned yes oh yeah definitely yeah i agree so I guess we'll see what happens over the next few months yes it'll be interesting we'll be talking about it we will all right Well, it was good talking to you, Brooke. Yes, same here, Mark. Thanks.
So there are observations for this week regarding CPAC and exactly what this might mean for the Republican Party going forward. We'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, Phoenix Research Group, for their support. And we want to remind all our listeners that if you have a topic you wish to have discussed, if you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. So we look forward to hearing from you with those questions, comments, and requests. So until next time, keep in mind, the power of society is knowledge. We'll see you next time.